Welcome to the Immeasurable Podcast at the Krishnamurti Center in Ojai, California. This series reflects upon Krishnamurti's work and how it directly impacts the listener. The invitation is to inquire together into the fundamental nature of our existence. This is the ninth dialogue between J. Krishnamurti and David Bohm at Brockwood Park. 1980. So I would like to talk over with you, and perhaps not on two. What is happening to the human brain? I'll go into it a little bit. <clears throat> you have highly cultivated civilization and at the same time, barbarism, great selfishness, clothed in all kinds of spiritual garbs, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, and all the rest of it, but <clears throat> deeply, <clears throat> deep down, <clears throat> heightening, frightening selfishness. And man's brain has been evolving through millennia upon millennia, and it has come to this point. Divisive, destructive, and so on, which we all know. So I was wondering whether the human brain, not a particular brain, but the human brain, is deteriorating. Whether it is capable of revival, renewal, or is a slow, steady decline. And, and whether it's possible in one's lifetime to bring about in itself a total renewal from all this, a renewal that will be pristine, original, unpolluted. I've been wondering about it, and I thought we would meet and discuss it. And I think the human brain is not a particular brain. It's not, it doesn't belong to me or to anyone else. It's the human brain, which has evolved 10 million or 5 million or 3 million years. And in that evolution, she has gathered tremendous experience, knowledge, and all the cruelties and the vulgarities and the brutalities of selfishness. Is there 
the possibility of its sloughing off, throwing off all this and becoming something new. Because apparently it's functioning in patterns. Whether it is a religious pattern or a scientific pattern or a business pattern or a family pattern, it's always operating, functioning in a very small, narrow circle. And those circles are clashing against each other. And there seem to be no end to this. Yes. Hmm? You follow? So, um, what will break down this forming of Patterns, not drop, not falling to other new patterns, but breaking down the whole system of patterns, whether pleasant or unpleasant. After all, the brain has had so many shocks. So many challenges, so many pressures on it. And if that brain is not capable in itself to renew, to rejuvenate itself, there's very little hope. Yes. You see that the one difficulty might uh, present itself that if you are thinking of the brain as a structure, that is, we cannot get into the structure physically. Physically, you cannot. I know, I know, we we discussed this. So, what is it to do? I mean, the brain specialists can look at it, uh, take the brain, dead of a human being and examine it, but it it doesn't solve the problem. Right? No. So what what is a man or a human being to do knowing it cannot be changed from outside or the scientists, brain specialists and the nerve specialists, neurologists and all that explain the thing, but it it is there. Their explanation, their investigation, was not going to solve this. Right? Well, yes, there's no evidence that it can. Yes, no evidence. All right. I'll put a little more. (laughs) (laughs) A little more congenial. Some some people may have thought so. You see, uh, some people who do biofeedback think that they can influence the brain, you see, by uh, connecting an instrument to the electrical potentials in the skull and being able yes. to look at the yes. result and you can change your heartbeat and your blood pressure and various other things. So they have raised the hope that something could be done. Uh, but they're not succeeding. We're not, not getting very far. Man. Very far. But we can't wait. Yes. You follow me? Mm-hmm. For these scientists and biofeedbackers <laughs> to, <laughs> solve the, to solve the problem. 
So what shall we do? Well, then the next question is whether the brain can be aware of its own structure. You see that? Yes, that's the first question. Yes. Can the brain be aware of its own movement? And the other question is, can the brain not only be aware of its own movement, can the brain itself has have enough energy, has enough energy to to break all patterns, move out of it? Yes, well, you have to ask why, whether the brain can do that. You see that, see, to what extent is the brain free to break out of patterns? What do you mean? I don't well, know. you see, uh, that if you begin by saying the brain is caught in a pattern, yes. it may not be Apparently free. it is apparent. Yeah, as far see. as we can see. But, see. but it may not be free to break out, you see. that. Uh, I'm sad. It may not have the power. That's what I said, no, not enough energy, not enough well, power. Yes, but it may not be. Yes, it may not be able to take the action needed to yes, get out. Yes. Whatever that may so, be. it it's become its own prisoner. Yeah. Then what? Well, then that's the end. <laughs> Is that the end? If, no. if that if that's true, then that's the end. I mean, uh, so if the brain cannot break out, uh, then perhaps people would choose to try some other way. I don't know to solve the problem. When we speak of the brain, in one sense, the brain is connected to the senses and the nervous system. Uh, The feedback is there. Is there another instrument to which brain is connected, which has a different effect on the brain? What do you mean by that? Some other other factor? Uh, Some other factor in the human system itself. Because uh, be? obviously, through the senses, mm-hmm. the brain does get nourishment, seeing various factors. But still, that is not enough. Is there some other internal factor which uh, which gives energy to the brain? You see, sir, I think there is a. Fa- I, I want right. to discuss this. You see, it, the brain is. Constantly in occupation. Mm-hmm. Worries, problems, uh, holding on, attachment, and so on. So it's constantly in a state of occupation. That may be the central factor. And if it is not in occupation, does it go sluggish? This one thing. Mm-hmm. If it is not in occupation, can it maintain the energy that's required to break the break down the patterns? I don't know if I'm making yes. myself. Yes. Now the, the the first point is that if it's not occupied, you might somebody might think that uh, it would just. Uh, take it easy. Take it. No, of course. Then it becomes lazy. Yes. No, I don't mean that. No, but if you mean not occupied but still active. Of course, I mean that. Then we have to go into what is the nature of the activity. That's what I won't go into. Yeah. I mean, if if my if this brain, which is so occupied, 
with conflicts, struggles, attachments, fears, pleasures, and you know all that. And this occupation gives to the brain its own energy, right? If it is not occupied, will it become lazy, drugged, and so lose lose its elasticity, as it were? Or if it doesn't become lazy and so on, will it have, will that unoccupied state give to, to the brain the required energy to break? Yes, well, if you ask a question, you say, the, but see, what makes you say that this will happen? You say that, uh, see, it says something about the brain. They say that uh, uh, we were discussing the other day that when the brain is kept uh, busy with uh, intellectual activity and thought, uh, then it does not uh, decay and shrink, you see. Yes, so as long as it's thinking, moving, thinking living. in a rational way. Yes. Then it remains strong. Yes. As long, that's what I want to get at too, yeah. which is, as long as it is functioning, moving, thinking rationally... It, it remains strong. If it starts irrational movement, then it breaks down. Yes. Also, if it gets caught in a routine, it begins to die. Right. So that was so, true. That's it. That is, if, I, if the brain is caught in a routine, either the meditation routine or the routine of the priests, or the daily life of the farmer. The and farmer, and so on, so on, so on. It must gradually uh-huh. uh, become dull. Well, not only that, but it seems to shrink physically. Shrink, shrink physically, it's right. Perhaps some uh, of the from cells die, From what we were right? discussing the yeah. other day. Yes, shrink physically. Now, and the opposite to that is this eternal occupation uh, with business, with as a lawyer, as a doctor, as a if yes. scientist, thinking, thinking, thinking. Yes. And we think that also that that prevents shrinking. Well, it does, as far it, well, at least that seems the experience seems to show it does in the measurements they make. Yes, it does too. Yes, it does. that's it. The, excuse the word farmer. We're well, not whatever con- it is, that also the routine clerical worker. See, anybody who does a routine job, which anybody, yes, his yeah. brain starts to shrink Tr- after a certain age. Yeah. Now that's what they discovered, and uh, just as the body not being used, as the muscles begin to of course break, yeah. to lose their. Uh, so take lots of exercise. <laughs> <laughs> well, so they say, exercise the body and exercise the brain, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> now. In, our, in any way, if it is caught in any pattern, any routine, any any directive too, right? It must shrink. Yeah, it's not clear why it. it could you could we go into why what makes it shrink? Is it? That's very simple. Because it's repetition. Yeah. Well, the repetition is mechanical and doesn't really use the uh, uh, full capacity of the brain. I've noticed the people who have spent years and years in meditation are the most dull people mm. on earth. Mm. And also those, those 
lawyers and professors and all the rest of them. They're, they're, you can see them. There's ample evidence for all that. Uh, then, the, the only thing that, that article seems to say is that rational thinking postpones senility. Yes. But rational thinking itself becomes a pattern at some time. Well, it might. I mean, there's no, they, they didn't carry it that far, you see, but uh, that rational thinking pursued in, narrow, uh, in a narrow area might become part of the pattern too, right? Of course, of course. But, uh, but you see, if you say that there's some other way we are going to that. I yes. won't go into but that. But suppose presently. we were to clear it up about the body first. You see, if somebody does a lot of exercise with the body, it remains strong, but it might become a mechanical Mechanical, pattern. of course. And of course. Uh, therefore it would have a bad effect. Right? You see, that's what I... You see, yoga... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I, I, I want to say. What about the various, if I may use the word, Religious instruments, the traditional religious instrument, yoga, tantra, kundalini, etc., ah, etc. No, et no, I know. Do they, do they... Oh, they must shrink. <laughs> <laughs> because you can see what is happening. Yoga, take for example, used to be... It was not vulgarized, if I may use that word. It was kept strictly to the very, very few who were not concerned about Kundalini and all that kind of stuff, who were concerned leading a moral, ethical, so-called spiritual life without ordinary exercise, but not this fantastic gymnastics. You see, I'm trying, we are trying, I want to get at the root of this, sir. Well, well, I think there's something related to this that I, see, it seems to me that before man organized into, organized societies, he was living close to nature, and it was not possible to live in a routine. No, it was not. But it was insecure, completely insecure. Yeah. Now, in, he, so, are we saying, that's what I want to get at, yeah. are we saying the brain... Um, becomes extraordinary and not, doesn't is not caught in a pattern because if the brain itself lives in a state of uncertainty well yes not knowing without becoming neurotic well yes i think it has to be even more clear you know, when you say not becoming neurotic as uncertainty becomes a form of neurosis a neurosis of course that, but i would rather say without the brain lives without uh, having uh, Certainty without uh, without demanding yes certainty. without demanding certainty without yes without demanding certain knowledge you know? yeah yeah so are we saying I want to get are we saying that knowledge also withers the brain well when it's repet- repetitious and becomes mechanical yeah Mecha- but knowledge itself. Well, yes, we have to be careful there. Um, I know. <laughs> see, I know we have to be careful. I, I think that, there, that knowledge has a tendency to become mechanical, that is, to uh, get fixed. Yes. But we could be always learning, you see. But learning from a center, well, learning from well, as an accumulative process. Well, that, 
learning, I think, with some something fixed. You see, you, you accept something as fixed and you learn from there. But yes. if we were to be learning without holding anything permanently fixed... That is, learning and not adding. Can you do that? Yes, well, you see, I think that to a certain extent we have to lose, you know, we have to drop our knowledge. Uh, you see, knowledge may be valid, valid up to a point and then it ceases to be valid. It gets in the way. You could say that our civilization is sort of collapsing from too much knowledge. That's right? what I was, of course. <laughs> that we don't drop what's uh, of in, course, in the of way. Course, of course. Many, many forms of knowledge are additive. I mean, unless you know the previous thing, you can't do the next thing. Uh, would you say that kind of knowledge is uh, repetitive? No, as long as I think as long as you're learning, you see. Uh, but if you hold some principle fixed and say it cannot change, see, if you hold your, the center fixed yourself or anything fixed, then uh, that that knowledge is becomes mechanical. But see, if you say you have got to keep on learning, learning what? Whatever you're doing. You see, for example, suppose you're. You have to make a living. You see, people must uh, yes, sir, that's organize the society no, and do all okay. kinds of things. They need knowledge, right? That's right. Now, but there you add more and more. That's right, but you may also get rid of some. You some, see. of course. You don't well, keep on. Of course. Some gets in the way, you of see. Course. So it's continually moving, right? Yes, but I'm, I'm asking, apart from that, knowledge itself... Well, yes, but I mean what... You mean knowledge without... Uh, yes. This content, right? The knowing mind. Well, mind which merely wants knowledge, is that what you're saying? Yes, yes. Just for its own sake? Yes. Huh? Mm. No, I'm, I, I want to question, if I may, the whole idea, the whole idea of having knowledge. Yes, but again, it's not too clear, you see, because, you see, we accept that we need knowledge. Of course, I just said So it's not clear what kind of knowledge it is that you're questioning, you see. I'm questioning the experience that leaves knowledge. That? Leaves. Leaves Mark. knowledge. Yes, but again, you say the experience of driving a car. That, that, we, yeah, but I mean, it's not. We, we want to make it clear that what kind of it leaves a mark psychologically is that psychologically, of course, rather I'm than psychological. knowledge of technique and matter and so on. Of course. Yeah, but you see, when you use the word knowledge by itself, it tends to include the whole. No, we we have said knowledge at a certain level is essential. There we can add and take away and keep on changing, moving there. But I'm questioning whether psychological knowledge is not in itself a factor mm-hmm. of the shrinking of the brain. Yes, well, that's uh, now, uh, you mean by, what do you mean by psychological knowledge? Knowledge about the mind, knowledge about myself? Yes. Knowledge about uh, what? Knowledge about myself and living in that knowledge yeah. and accumulating that knowledge. Yes. So if you keep on accumulating knowledge about yourself or, you know, about relationships. Yes, about relationships. So that's it, sir. Would you, would you say such knowledge help, helps the brain, brings, <clears throat> makes the brain somewhat inactive, somewhat 
it makes the brain well, shrink. It puts it into a rut. I mean, but yeah. But you see, one should see why. You know, what what is it about this knowledge that makes so much trouble? <coughs> what is this knowledge that makes so much trouble? In relationship, that knowledge does create trouble. Yes. It gets in the way. I mean, in the way. Because it fixes the... Yes. And also in... If I have an image about him, and I'm related to him, that knowledge is obviously going to impede our... our it becomes a pattern. Yes. Well, the knowledge about myself and about him, and yes. how we are related, yes. makes a pattern. Yes. And therefore that becomes a routine, uh-huh. and so it loses its... Yes, and it, it occurred to me to see that routine in that area is more dangerous than routine in, say, the area of the area, work. That, I mean, if, that's right. If routine that's right. in ordinary work can shrink the brain, then in that area it might that's do right. some worse, <laughs> something worse, because it, it has so, a bigger effect. Right? So can, my, can the brain in the psychological matters, be entirely free from knowledge, from this kind of knowledge. That is, look, I'm a businessman, and I get into the car or bus or a taxi, or the tube, and I'm thinking what I'm going to do whom I'm going to meet, or business talk, and my mind is all the time living in that area. Hmm? I come home, there's a wife and children, sex and all that, that also becomes a psychological knowledge from which I'm acting. Hmm? So there's the business, the knowledge of my business and contacts and all that, and also the knowledge with regard to my wife and myself, my reactions. So these two are in contradiction. Or I am unaware of these two and just carry on. If I am aware of these two, I, it becomes a disturbing factor. Yeah. Well, also, people find that it is a routine and they get bored with it and they begin to Divorce and all the whole circus begins. And they may hope that by becoming occupied with something else they yes. can get out of the... Get out, go to church and go to... It's, it's a, any escape is an, is an occupation. So I'm, quest, I'm asking whether this psychological knowledge is not a factor of the shrinkage of the brain. Sorry. Yes, well, it could be a factor. It, uh, evidently, if ordinary, it is. It is. It is. It, if, uh, if knowledge of your profession can be a factor, this knowledge is strong. Of course, yeah. of course, much stronger. Yes. When you say psycholo- psychological knowledge, you are distinguish, distinguishing, making distinction between psychological knowledge and, uh, let us say, scientific knowledge or factual knowledge. Of course, we said we're, that's what we're saying. Yes, although but I, I, I'm a little worried about uh, this article and the fact that scientific knowledge and other types of factual knowledge helps to extend or make the brain bigger. Uh, that in itself doesn't lead anywhere. What do you though, mean? Though it postpones senility. What? Uh, well, exercising of rational thinking 
And, uh, you know, as Dr. Woma explained very carefully, if rational thinking becomes merely routine, I think logically, hmm? and, and therefore I've learned the trick of that, and I keep on repeating it. That's what happens to most forms of rational thinking. Of course. Yes, I think that, say, that they depend on being continually faced with unexpected problems. You see, like they, as they said, lawyers will uh, are very uh, that uh, that their brains last longer because see, they're faced with uh, constantly uh, constantly different problems, and yeah. therefore they cannot make it entirely a routine. You see, perhaps eventually they could, but it would yeah. take a while. Uh, but sir, <laughs> just me, just me. They are. They may have different clients with different yeah. problems. Yeah. From their, but they're acting from that, uh, from a knowledge which has uh, this. They're acting from knowledge. Yes. Well, they would say not entirely. They have got to find new facts. Of course, and so on. they're not entirely. But it, the basis is knowledge, yes. precedence. Hmm? Yes. And book knowledge and various experience with various clients. Hmm? Yeah, but then you would have to say that some other more subtle uh, de- degeneration of the brain takes place, not merely shrinkage. That's right. Yes. That's what I want to get. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's what I want to get. See, there is also what's known is that uh, when a baby is born, the brain cells have very few cross-connections, then they gradually increase the number, and then as a person approaches senility, they begin to go back. <laughs> uh, the, yes. uh, so uh, the quality of those cross-connections uh, could be wrong. As another example, that would be too subtle to show up in these measurements. But uh, if that, for example, they could become, if you repeated them too often, they would get too <laughs> fixed. Uh, uh, are all the brain functions confined to uh, rational forms? No. Or are there are there some functions which are of a different quality? Well, what? it's known that, for example, a large part of the brain deals with movement of the body and so on, and with uh, muscles and uh, with various organs. And this part does not de- uh, de- shrink with age. You see. But the part that uh, deals with rational thought, if it is not used, it does shrink. That's the, yeah. Now, then there may be other functions that are totally unknown. That is, very little is known, actually, about the brain. Which we don't touch. Is, is there a possibility of that sort? No, what we are saying, what I'm trying to explain, we're only using one part of very partial of the brain. And that partial occupy, partial activity is the occupation, either rational or irrational, or logical, and so still using the part. And as long as the brain is, is occupied, it must be in that limited area. Would you say that? Yes, well, then what is the... What will happen when it's not occupied? You see that. That's what we'll go into that. Yes. We'll go into that in a minute. But but we can say that it may tend to spend most of the time occupied in that limited set of functions, which are mechanical. Mechanical, and, yes. And uh, that will produce some subtle degeneration of the brain tissue. That that 
since every anything that like that will affect the brain tissue. Are we saying that senility is the result of mechanical way of living, mechanical knowledge, and so the brain has no uh, freedom, no space, no sense of... Well, that's the suggestion. You see, uh, I mean, some, it's not necessarily accepted by all the people who work on the brain. They have shown that the brain cells start to die around the age of 30 or 40, you know, at a steady rate. But this... Be careful, you But this may be effective. They have not been... I don't think their measurements are so good that they could test for the effect of how the brain is used, right? That, see, they're merely rough measurements made statistically. And uh, uh, so you, you want to propose that uh, uh, since this death of the brain cells or the degeneration will come from the wrong way of using the brain. That's right. And, uh, That's what I'm trying to get at. Yes, and uh, there is a little bit of evidence in favor of it from the science. Thank God. Yes, <laughs> uh, but you know, but I think that the brain scientists don't know very much about it. No. So you see, scientists, brain specialists, are, if I may use a rather easy words, they are going out. Hmm? examining things outside, but not taking themselves Mm -hmm. as as guinea pigs Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and going through that. Well, mostly, you say, except for those who do biofeedback, they're trying to work on themselves in a very indirect way. Yes, but I I feel we haven't time for all that kind of stuff. No, it's too slow and it's not very deep. Not very deep. So, I come back, let's come back to the point. <clears throat> I realize that any activity which is repeated, any action that is directed in a narrow sense, any method, any, rep- any routine, logical or illogical, does affect the brain, and so on, so on. That I, I, we have understood that very clearly. And knowledge at a certain level is essential, and also psychological knowledge about oneself, one's experiences, all that is also has also become routine. Uh-huh. And the images I have about myself also becomes obviously it's a routine. And so that helps to bring about a shrinkage of the brain. I have understood all that right. very clearly. Now I say to myself, and occupation, any kind of occupation. With the, well, again, with this. Of uh, course, we've said that. Knowledge. We've said that. Yes. Any kind of occupation apart from the mechanical, not mechanical, physical, physical occupation, the occupation with oneself. Yeah. That obviously and does bring about shrinkage of the brain. Now, how is this process to stop? And and when it does stop, will there be a renewal? 
yes. I mean, that's. Un- I mean, so I think again, some brain scientists would doubt that the brain cells could be renewed, but I don't know that there's any proof, one way or the other. I think they can be renewed. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to discuss. Yes, so we have to discuss that. Is there? Uh, I want to put this question because in one discussion between you in Ohio, you are implying that mind is different from the brain. Mind is distinct from the brain. Not quite. Did I? Yes. Uh, the possibility of mind as distinct from the brain. It was a universal mind. Uh, uh, mind quite. in the sense uh, <clears throat> one has access to this mind and it is not the brain. Do you, do you conceive of that possibility? Well, I don't quite follow this. That I would say the mind is all-inclusive. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the, and when it is all-inclusive, brain, emotions, all the rest of it, when it is totally mm, whole, not divisive in itself, there is a quality which is universal. <laughs> yes. Right? One has access to it. Not, we can't be access, we can't reach it. No. You can't say I have access uh, I, to no, it. No, I'm saying access, one doesn't possess it, but one has well, access you, to you it. You can't, it means you can't possess the sky. No. No, my only point is, is there a way of being open to it? And is there a function of the mind in that the whole the whole of it, uh, which is accessible through education? Through education. Through education. We'll come, I think there is. We'll come to that presently. If we can stick to this point, we have reached a certain point in our discussion. We won't go back yeah. to repeat it again. Now, we're asking now, having understood all that and after this discussion, can the brain itself renew, rejuvenate, become young again? Not without any shrinkage at all. I think there is. Mm-hmm. I want to open the chap- new chapter and discuss it. I think there is. I think um, psychologically, knowledge that man has acquired is crippling it. The Freudians, the Jungians, or the later psychologists, later psychotherapists, are all helping to make the brain shrink. Sorry, there's nobody here. Is there a way of forgetting this knowledge then? No, no, not forgetting. I see what they are doing. 
and I see the I see the waste the, I see what is taking place if I follow that line. I see it obviously. So I don't follow that avenue at all. So I discard altogether analysis. That's the pattern we have learnt. Not only from the recent psychologists and psychotherapists, but also it's the tradition of thousand million years to in- analyze, introspect, say I must, I must not, this is right, this is wrong. You know, the whole process. I reject I personally don't do it and so I reject that whole method. We are coming to a point which is direct perception and immediate action. Because our our perception is, is directed by knowledge. The past perceives. And so the past, which is knowledge, perceiving and acting from that is a factor of shrinking senility. Better use the word shrinking the brain. So is there a perception which is not time-binding? Right, sir? And so action which is immediate. Because, am I going, huh? Mm-hmm. Am I making my... That is, sir, my, the brain has evolved through time. Mm-hmm. And it has set the pattern of time in action. Mm-hmm. And as long as I am doing, as long as the brain is active that way, it is still living in a pattern of time and so becoming senile. If we could break that pattern of time, then the brain has now broken out of its pattern and therefore something else takes place. I don't know if I'm making... How does this... How does it break out of the pattern? But I'll come to that. But let's first see if it is so. Yes, well, you're saying the brain is... that the pattern is the pattern of time. Pattern of time. I mean, that perhaps... No, it should be clarified that uh, and I think that what you mean by analysis is some sort of process based on past knowledge yes, sir. which organizes your perception yes, sir. Yes, sir. and you take a series of steps to try to uh, learn to accumulate knowledge about the whole thing and 
Now, now you say this is a pattern of time and you have to break out of it. Now, yeah. say what is if that we mean? agree to that, yes. if we say that you so say brain is work functioning pattern of time. Yes. Now, then you would have to ask, you see, I think that most people would ask, what other pattern is possible? Wait, wait, wait. I won't what say, other movement is possible? No, I'll say, well, first let's understand this. Yes. Right. Not merely verbally, but actually see that it mm-hmm. is happening. That our action, our way of living, our whole thinking is bound by time or comes with the knowledge of time. Yes, well, I certainly are thinking about ourselves. Any attempt to uh, analyze yourself or think about yourself it involves this process. Process which is of time. And, uh, right? That's the difficulty. The, uh, when you say knowledge and experience, they have a certain cohesive energy, force, it binds you. It sort of... Which is what? Which is what? Time-binding. Time-binding. Analysis... uh, Uh, And therefore, the pattern of centuries, millennia is being repeated. Yes. What I am saying is, this has a certain cohesive force. Of course, of course. You can't run Uh, away from it. No. All illusions have an extraordinary vitality. Yes. But if you break through... Look at all the churches, what they bring immense vitality they have. No, apart from these churches, one's personal life has a certain cohesion, it it keeps you back. You you can't break it. And what happens if you do that? Keep, keeps you, what do you mean keeps you back? It sort of, it it has a magnetic attract, it sort of pulls you back. You can't, uh, you can't uh, free yourself of it through, unless you have some instrument with which you can act. We're coming, we are going to find out if there is a different um, approach to the problem. Yeah. I mean, when you say a different instrument, then it's not clear what not you mean. That's why I'm... Because that brings time in again. You see, the whole notion of an instrument in, involves time. You time, see, because yes, that just you is. use an instrument to... to, to no, any instrument is a process which you plan and... Uh, That's why you are instrument, uh, uh, to mean uh, it is effective. Uh, uh, no, we, well, this has not been effective. It's not been effective, no. On the contrary, it is destructive. So, do I, do I see the very, the truth of its destructiveness? Not just theories, ideas, but the actuality of it. If I do, then what takes place? The brain, which has evolved through time and has been functioning, living, acting, uh, believing, all that in, in that time process, and when one realizes that is, helps to make the brain uh, senile, and most, hmm? I won't go to all that. Now, if you see that as true, then what? Next step. Are you implying that the very seeing that it is destructive is a releasing factor? Yes. And there's no need for an extra instrument? No. Not, don't use the word I'm, instrument. I'm putting it because... Uh, no, he uh, keeps on repeating the word instrument. I, uh, there is no other factor.
See, I'm concerned, I'm using the word, but not personally, I'm concerned <clears throat> to end this shrinkage and senility and asking whether the brain itself, the self, the whole thing move out of time. Not immortality, or I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. Move out of time altogether. Otherwise, deterioration, shrinkage, solidity is inevitable. It may not, uh, the senility may not show, but the brain cells are li- becoming weaker and so on. If brain cells are material and physical, somehow or other they have to shrink through time in a- and age. It can't be helped. It can't be uh, the brain cell which is, uh, well, and the tissue cannot be, cannot be time. in physical terms, uh, immortal. Well, yeah, but I, perhaps it would, the rate of shrinkage would be greatly slowed down. You see, if, if a person, say, lives a certain number of years and his brain begins to shrink long before he dies, you see, so he becomes senile. Now, if it would slow down, then... The, not only slow down, sir. But regenerate, if you wish. Not be in a state, I'm going to yeah, well, quickly, in a state of non-occupation. Yes, but I think Narayan is saying that it's impossible that the, any material system could last forever. You know. I'm not talking lasting forever. Yeah, well, but, but, but you could I'm say... I'm not it. sure yeah. if it can't last forever. Yeah, so... A <laughs> material... No, no, I'm, this is very serious. I'm not... Well, Pulling if, anybody's leg. If, if uh, all the cells were to regenerate perfectly, or you know, uh, in the body and in the brain, then the brain, then the whole thing could go on indefinitely. Right? Look, sir, we are now destroying the body. Yeah. Drink, smoke, say overindulgence in sex, and all kinds of things. Sir. We are living most unhealthily, right? If the body were in a Excellent health, maintained right through, which is no heightened emotions, no strain on the mind, on the body, uh, no sense of deterioration in the body, the heart functioning healthily, normally, you know. Why not? Well, uh... which means what? No traveling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no traveling. Yes. All the rest of it. Yeah. If the body remains yes, in no one yes. quiet place, I'm so I'm really yeah. in a quiet place. I'm sure it can last a tremendous, a great many more years than it does now. Yes, well, I, I think that's true. That there have been cases of people living, say, to 150 oh, yes. in quiet places, and yes. uh, uh, but I think that that. I think that's all you're talking about. You're not talking of, say, living uh, oh, no, no, no. I'm forever, really. So, the body can be kept healthy. Yeah. And since the body affects the mind, nerves, senses, and all that, that will also 
can be kept healthy. And uh, if the mind is, if the brain is kept uh, in the right action, then yeah. uh, the, the brain also organizes state, the body. Right. You see, the, the brain has a tremendous effect in organizing the body. The pituitary gland controls the entire system of the body glands, and also all the organs of the body are controlled yes, by that's the brain. Right. So that's right. if the brain deteriorates, the body starts to Of course, of course. So uh, it works together, but... Uh, they go together. Yes. So can I... Can I can this brain, which is not my brain, but the brain of, which has evolved through, mil- through millions of years, which has had all kinds of destructive experience, pleasant, all the rest of it, can that brain... Well, you mean that it's a typical brain, you see, not, not peculiar, a brain peculiar to some individual. When you say not mine, it, it belo- any brain belonging to mankind. Right? Any brain, I'm talking about... They're all basically similar. Yeah, similar, that's what I said. Can that brain be free of all this, of time? I think it can. Uh, I'm... Hmm? Good, so. I say, if you, we could discuss what it means to be free of time, you see, that, you see at first sight it might sound crazy, you know, that, <laughs> because, uh, and obviously we, we all know you don't mean that the clock stops or anything, I, but, but, but I, still... Science fiction, all yeah, that but the, uh, uh, the, the point is, uh, uh, what does it really mean to be psychologically free of time? That, that there is no tomorrow. But I mean, you know there's tomorrow, you see that. So you psychologically, that. but psychologically. Well, how does that, can you describe that better? You know, what does it mean to say no tomorrow? So what does it mean to be living in time? Let's take the other side first mm-hmm. before we come to the other. What does it mean to live in time? Hope, thinking, living in the past, and acting from the knowledge of the past, um, the images, the illusions, the the prejudices, are all outcome of the past. All that is time, and that is producing in the world chaos. Yes, well... Uh... Suppose we say if you're not living psychologically in time, then you are. You may still order your actions by the watch, but uh, oh, of course, you know, of course. the thing I mean, is a little puzzling. Say what? Say suppose somebody says I'm not living in time, but I must make an appointment. You of say, course, we can't sit here forever. That's right. See, so, you, so, see, so you say I'm looking at the watch, but I'm not psychologically extending how it's going to feel. Yes. In the next hour, you know, when I, when I can have fulfillment of desire or whatever. So I'm just saying, the way we are living now is in the field of time. Yeah. And there we have brought all kinds of problems, suffering, all that. Right? Yes, it should be made clear why this produces suffering necessarily. You see that... Say, so if you live in the field of time, you're saying that suffering is inevitable. Inevitable. But could you inevitable. Make, it, make, it, make it clear <laughs> simply why? It's simple, which is, time has built the ego, me, the image of me, sustained by society, by parents, by education. That is 
built after million years, that is the result of time. And from there I act. Toward the future. Towards the future. I mean, toward a, the future psychologically, that is toward some future state of the yes. being. Right? Being, which is, uh, the center is always becoming. Trying to become better. You know? Better, nobler, or the other way around. Mm. So all that, this constant endeavor to become something psychologically is factor of time. Yes, not, 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 are you saying that, that produces suffering? Uh, that is obviously. Why? Oh my Lord, why? There's also... Because it's simple, it's divisive. It divides me, and so you are different from me. Yes. And me, when I depend on somebody, and that somebody is lost or gone, I feel lonely, miserable, unhappy, grief, suffering. All that goes on. So, we are saying, time by my, any, any, any factor of division, which is, which is the very nature of the self, that must inevitably suffer. Yes, are you saying that through time the self is set up, is organized, and the self introduces division and you know conflict and suffering? All the rest of it. That if we there were no psychological time, then maybe this entire structure would collapse, collapse. and something entirely different would happen. That's what I'm saying. And therefore, the brain itself has well. Then that's the next step to say the brain is broken out of that rut. Yes. Maybe it could do. It could regenerate, but That's it doesn't follow logically. But still, it could. Right? I think it does follow logically. Well, it rationally, follows logically, that it would stop degenerating. Yes. And then you're adding further that it would start to regenerate. Yes. You look skeptical. Yes, because uh, <clears throat> the whole human predicament is uh, bound to time. Yes, we know that. Societies, individuals, the whole structure. The whole, I know, yes. I know. And uh, it is, as again, I want to be, it's, it's so forceful that uh, <clears throat> anything feeble doesn't work here. Any? Anything feeble. What uh, do you mean feeble? Uh, the, the force of this is so great Yes. That if you have to break through, yes. whatever uh, yes. comes this, must this. have greater energy. Yes. And no individual seems to be able to generate this energy to, to be able to break through. That's one of the difficulties. Uh-huh. 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 There is not... You've got the wrong end of the stick, if I may point out. When you use the word individual... Hmm? A human being. A human. But you are moved away from the fact that... Um, our brain is universal. Yes, admit that. There is no individuality. Hmm. That that uni- that brain is conditioned this way. Yes. Oh, we've been through all that. Yeah. It's conditioned this way through time. Yeah. Time is is conditioning. Right. 
It's not time has created the conditioning. Its very structure is inherent. Yes, time itself is is the factor of conditioning. So, can that time element not exist? That's psychological we are talking about, not in the ordinary physical time. I say it can, and we said the ending of suffering is comes about when the self, which is built up through time, is no longer there. For a man who is actually going through agony, going through a terrible time, he might reject this, he's bound to reject it. But when he comes out of the shock of this, and somebody points out to the and if he's willing to listen, if he's willing to see the rationality of it, not build wall against it, but see for himself the, the sanity of it, he's out of that field. Not as an, he, the brain is out of that time-binding quality. Temporarily. Huh? Temporarily. Ah. <coughs> that again, you are, you are, when you use the word temporary, it means time. No, he skips back into time. No, you can't. You can't go back if you see something dangerous. Go back to it. You can't. Like a cobra, like a whatever dangerous no, the, the, the thing. You cannot. Is, the difficulty is uh, the analogy is a bit uh, difficult because your structure is that you you uh, inadvertently slip into it. Look, Lauren, when you see a dangerous animal. Hmm? There is immediate action. It may be the result of past knowledge, past experience, but there is immediate action, self-protection. Psychologically, we have we are unaware of the dangers. Yes, and if we become as aware of the dangers as we are aware of a physical danger, there is an action which is not time-binding. Yes, I think that uh, you could say as long as you could perceive this danger, you will, uh, you know, you will respond immediately. But you see, if you were to take, use this analogy of the animal, there might be a, an animal you know you, re- you realize is dangerous, but then he might take another form that you don't see as dangerous. I saw that And therefore, this and therefore there would be danger of slipping back if you didn't. You might, you might see that, that this time illusion might come in in some other of course, form. Of course. Uh, but uh, I think that uh, major point is is that. Uh, you're saying that the brain is not belonging to any individual, right? And yes, sir. Absolutely. There, and therefore, it's no use saying that the individual will slip back, you see. No, no. Uh, that, that, that's a, uh, that already denies what you're saying. Right? But rather, you could say the danger might be that the brain 
might slip back, you see. But see, the brain might get back because it, it itself has not seen the It brain. hasn't seen the other form yeah. of the illusion. Yeah, illusions, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Holy Ghost taking different shapes. <laughs> Uh, uh, and but but you see uh, yes well I, I think that that's the the point of that uh, so that is the real root of it time right you see time and, and separation as individuality are basically the same uh, structure of course, of course although it's not obvious in the beginning yeah and uh, uh, I wonder if you see that maybe that that would be worth discussing that that why is time the same illusion as the same structure as individuality that is psychological time see it's see the individuality is the sense of being a person who is say located here somewhere located uh, and divided divided from the others he extends out to some periphery. His domain extends out yes, to yes, some yes. periphery. And also he has an identity which goes over time. As yes. He wouldn't regard himself as an individual unless he had an identity. If he said, today I'm one person, tomorrow I'm another, <laughs> he wouldn't be called an individual. <laughs> so he has to be. It seems we mean by I think individual so. somebody who is in time. Right? I think that is such a fallacy, this well, idea of individuality. Uh, Yes, well, this is very... On the other hand, you know, it would be very hard. Many people may find it very hard to be convinced of course, that it's a fallacy. Many people find everything very hard. But uh, see that, that there's a common feeling that as an individual I have existed at least from my birth, if not before, go on to death and perhaps later. You see that, that know, the whole idea of being an individual is to be in time, right? Of course, obvious. And, and therefore, and to be in psychological time. Right? Of course, we are seeing that. I mean, not just clock time. No, no. Uh, so, the, if, becoming, that, right? if that illusion could be broken, mm-hmm. hmm, that time has created individuality, hmm, which is erroneous. Yes, through time, the, the notion of individuality has arisen. Huh? You, I, you say through time, yeah. through psychological time, the idea of individuality <laughs> of course, of course. has arisen. Now, can I, can the, can I, can this brain understand that? Well, I think then, as Narayan said, that the, the it's, that say there's a great momentum of the, in any brain of all the, of all the, the whole million, past, right? course, which course. keeps rolling, moving along. Right? Can all, that momentum stop yes, for a minute? It, yeah. For a, uh, not a minute. Can stop. that mo- stop? Not for a minute. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the difficulty comes actually in this. It is uh, intrinsic to you, the genetic coding, and you seem to function uh, more or less unconsciously or driven by this kind of uh, past momentum. And suddenly you see, as it were, like a flash, something true. The difficulty is it operates for some time in the sense it, it may operate for a day, but then there is the fact that you are again caught in the old momentum. It, it is a human, uh, it's a human experience. I know that, but I, I say it will not be caught. 
that, that's where I said this must, this can't be a feeble thing. Don't use the word feeble or strong. But once you see the mind or the brain are aware of this fact, it cannot go back. How can it? There must be, that's why I said there must be another way of preventing it from going back. Ah, not preventing, that means also time. You see, you are still thinking in prevention. Uh, prevention descends <clears throat> as a human factor. The human being is irrational, right? And as long as he's functioning irrationally, irrationally, any other rational factor, he says, I refuse to see it. From what you are saying, you are suggesting that the very seeing prevents you also from going back. There is no... From sleeping. <laughs> well, I no, this, if, is, uh, this, is a, this is a human condition. I wonder if it, we should ask this question about prevention. You see that uh, uh, it may be a question... It, it, it has both the aspects. It has both the aspects. You, you, you see the fallacy of something and the very seeing uh, prevents you from sleeping back. Yes. Because you see the danger of it. You see, it's... Uh, you well, nothing prevents you. It's in another sense, you say that you have no temptation to slip back, right? Yeah. <laughs> Therefore, you don't have to be prevented, right? As if you really see it, there's no need to be prevented. Prevented? No, you don't it see it. Prevent in the sense, yes. Yeah, you, it, you're not it, tempted to go that's back. Right, but I mean, it, it is, I uh, can't go back. Temptation is a stronger word, in fact. Right. If I see the fallacy of all the religious nonsense, it's finished. The only question which I raise is that you may not see it in another form. You see it. Oh, man. I mean, <laughs> yes, still I mean, it, it may come in different shapes. And, and then forms, you're tempted yes. once again, right? Ah, <laughs> hell yes, yes. I'm not. Mind is aware, it's oh, not caught. Oh, ah. oh, you're saying it does? No. Other shapes and forms, sir, you can see through. That's it. No, there's, there is another thing I want to ask. Is there a faculty in the human system? Which has this, uh, which has this uh, function, as it were, and so it has some effect or some transforming effect on the brain. We said that. No, the, the, uh, we have not said that. We have not. Uh, Wait, sir. We said that. Perception is the f is out of time. See immediately the whole nature of time, which is to have, to use a good old word, to have an insight into the nature of time. If you have that insight into the nature of of time, not you, if there is an insight into the nature of time, the very brain cells which have big, which are part of time break down. You, the brain cells mutate, bring about a change in themselves. That's what we are, um, this person is saying. You may disagree, you may say that, prove it, I say this is not a matter of proof. It's a matter of action. 
Do it. Find out. Test it. You were also saying the other day that when the consciousness is empty of its content, that's that that is the content is time. Yes, you said that leads to the transformation of the brain cells. Yes. Uh, when you say consciousness is empty of the content, there is no consciousness as we know it. Yes. Uh, you see, and again, you are using the word insight. What is the connection between the two? Well, what is the there, there is obvious, there's obvious connection between what Conscious, between insight. between a, a consciousness. When you make a, when you have suggested that consciousness empty of its content. Which is, you know, careful. Yes. Consciousness is put together by its content. Yes. The content is the result of time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, it's just... Also, yeah, the huh? content also is time. That the content... Uh, of course. It's about time as well, right? About time as well. <laughs> it, it is also actually put together by time. time. Actually put together time and also it's about time. As he pointed out. Now, if you see, if you have an insight into that, the whole pattern is gone, broken. Yes. If you say the insight, yes. which is not of time, which is not of memory, which is not of knowledge, etc., etc. Who has this insight? It's because not me. I'm, no, no. This, this is there is an insight. There is an insight. And you the, the, the word insight has a positive connotation. You have an insight. And then the consciousness is empty of its content as a, a, a negative kind of... Uh, no, sir. No, no. I, I'm, now, All right, obviously you are implying that the very emptying of the content, the emptiness of the content is insight. No. No, I'm, we are saying time is a factor which has put the content, which has made up the content. Um, it's made up and it also thinks about it. All that is a, is a bundle of, is the result of time. Now, an insight into this whole movement is not my insight. It's inside. Inside. That brings about transformation in the brain. Because it is not time-binding, that inside. If you say that, the, that this content, the psychological content, is a certain structure physically in the brain, so you may say that in order for this psychological content to exist, the brain over many years has made many connections of the cells which constitute this content. Right? Quite, quite. And then there's a flash of insight which sees all this, right? And, That's right. And sees that it's not necessary. Yeah. And therefore, it, that all this begins to dissipate. Dissipate. Right? And then when that has dissipated, there's no content. Then you say that whatever the brain is doing is something different. Which is, sir, which go further. Yeah. Which is, the, then there is total emptiness. Right? We won't go into, we won't, huh? which we went into the other day. 
Yes, well, emptiness of that content. Now, but when you say total emptiness, you don't mean you don't see the room. Right? But you mean emptiness of all this inner inward yeah, content. That's right. There is that emptiness is tremendous energy. It yeah. is energy. Yes, yeah, so could you say that the brain, having had all these connections tangled up, has locked up a lot of energy? That's right. And Wastage of energy. Yeah, and then when they begin to dissipate, Dissip. That's right. then that energy is there. Yeah. Or would you say that's as much physical energy as any other kind, of nervous energy? Uh, of course, of course. Yeah. Now, you heard all this now, right? We can go on more in detail, but you've heard en principe the the principle, the root of it. Hmm? Is it an idea or a fact? An idea if it has, a, has no, no, no. No, I, I'm asking you. No, don't dodge it. <laughs> Is it an idea or a fact? I hear all this. I have heard it with the hearing of the ear, so I make it into an idea. But if I hear it, hmm, not only with the with the hearing of the ear, but <coughs> hear it in my being, in my in the very structure of myself, I hear this statement. What happens then? If that doesn't take place, it becomes merely an idea we can spin along for the rest of one's life, playing with ideas. But if that sense of, yes, you know, So, sir, we are more or less, you and I are perhaps, more or less captured audience. <laughs> if there was uh, a scientist, biofeedback, or uh, another brain special, would they accept all this? Would they even listen to all? Well, most, maybe a few would, but obviously the majority would not. I mean, no. So what? Uh, you see, how sh- how do we affect? I'm using the word affect. How do we touch the human brain? 
Yes. Well, you see, I, let me say the, the way it will sound to most scientists is it will sound rather abstract. You see that uh, they say, well, it could be so. It's a nice theory. Oh, good boy. It's nice. No, well, it's a nice theory. You, you see that it, it, we have no proof of it. You uh, see. It. I, of course, of course. <laughs> and, uh, and therefore, they'd say, okay. I mean, it doesn't really uh, excite me very much because I don't see any proof. And see, I think that's the way they they would operate. The, the more favorable ones would look at it that way. No? Yeah. Uh, Let's say if you have some more evidence, then we will be very we'll interested. We'll come back later. We'll become very interested, right? <laughs> uh, so, uh, 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 and you see, you can't give any proof. Uh, I mean, you, because, you know, whatever is happening, nobody can see it, right? With their eyes. Of course, of course. And, but I'm asking, what shall we do? Hmm. What is, how do you affect, or how do you... Our mind, our brain is not my brain, right? Mm-hmm. It's the human brain, which evolved through million years. One freak or one biological freak can move out of it. But perhaps, <clears throat> or does, how do you, how do you get at the at the human mind to make him see this. Well, I think that, you know, if, if see, what, what doesn't, you have to communicate the necessity of what you're saying, that it is inevitable, right? Hmm? You have to communicate the necessity of what you are saying, that it's inevitable. You see that if, say, if somebody sees something, you know, you explain it to him and he sees it happening before his eyes, he says, no, but yes, sir, that's so, right? But that requires somebody to listen. Yes. Somebody who says, really, I want, I want to capture this, I want to understand this, I want to find out. Mm-hmm. But we're all... You follow what I'm saying? Apparently that's, that's one of the most difficult things in life. Well, that's the function of this uh, occupied brain, that it, yeah. it's occupied with itself and doesn't listen. In fact, uh, one of the things is this occupation seems to be it starts very early and uh, when you are young it's very powerful and it continues through all your life yes uh, how how do you through education uh, make this uh, make the all that is different matter i would i would say do i would work at it differently if you're asking um, how to, how to set about it i'll tell you no, i'm i'm, I'm no, I have, it's very moment you see the importance of not being occupied. You yourself see that as a tremendous truth. You will find ways and methods to help them. That is creative. You can't just be told and copy and imitate, then you're lost. Well, and the question is, how is it possible to communicate to the brain which, is, yes. which rejects, which doesn't listen? I said that's what I'm asking. Yes, well, is there a way? No. <laughs> <laughs> if I refuse to listen, will you go to the Pope and tell him all this? He'll say, what? <laughs> So 
So I think we better stop, don't you? She said, um, I think meditation is a great factor in this. I feel we have been meditating. See, ordinary people wouldn't accept this as meditation. Yeah, well, that's the, you know, they've used the word so often. I know this lost, it's really lost it. Like, yeah. So that's one of the things. Something real, made vulgar, common, is gone. Yoga, as I was pointing out, was something extraordinary, only for the, if I may use the word without being misunderstood, very few. Now it has become common, a way of earning a livelihood, and it's gone. So, if meditation is this, uh, the emptying of consciousness, you follow? Yes, but let's get it clear, because before you said it would happen through insight, you see. Yes. Now, are you saying meditation uh, is conducive to insight? Yeah. Right? meditation well, is insight. It is insight, insight. already. But, yeah. but in, uh, it's some sort of work you do, but in addition... Uh, see, insight is usually thought of as the flash, right? Yes, insight but, is a flash. But also meditation... Uh, is a more cont- uh, constant. Uh, yeah, uh, meditation. Now we must be careful in I mean, the usage of what, what we mean by meditation. That's the question. Right? Yes. Yeah. We can reject the systems, the methods, the mm-hmm. authorities, the acknowledged Zen, Tibetan, Hindu, Buddhist. Hmm? We can reject all that. Because that's not obviously it's mere tradition, repetition, and time by nonsense. I, I, for don't me, you, it's not. Don't you it, see that some of them could have been, could have had, uh, could have been original. Huh? Some of them, some of them could have had an original insight. If they had, they wouldn't be any. Wouldn't belong to Christian, Hindu, no, Buddhist. I'm, yes, uh, there wouldn't be anything in the past. Oh, Kilosa. I mean, who knows? Yes. I'm also clever at this. Mm. Now, and if meditation, sir, is this, is this penetration, you follow me? I don't know if I'm using the right word. It is this sense of Moving without any past. <laughs> I can't. But it's the only point to clear up is in, when you use the word meditation, do you mean something more than insight? Do you see? It seems to yes, be something yes, a bit more. Right? A bit more. Right. Much more. Yes. Because insight has freed the brain from the past, mm. from time. Yeah. I mean, that's an enormous statement. Mm-hmm. Meditation as we know it is becoming. 
and any sense of becoming is still time. Therefore, there is no sense of becoming. But that seems to mean that you have to have insight in order to, if you're going to meditate, right? Yes, sir. That's right. You cannot meditate without insight. Of course. I mean, you can't regard it as a procedure by which you will come to oh, insight. Um, <laughs> that immediately implies time. Yes. A procedure, a system, a method to have insight sounds so nonsensical. Insight into greed, into fear, into all that, frees the mind from all that. Right? then meditation has quite a different quality. It's nothing to do with all the guru's meditations, right? So that is what? Would we say, sir, (laughs) it's wrong words all this, To have insight, there must be silence. Yes. Well, well it's the same. We seem to be going in a circle. No, is, no, for the moment. For I'm, the moment, yes. Yeah. My mind is silent. Silence. So, the silence of insight has cleansed, cleansed, well, it's purged, all this structure, you know, structure of the, uh, you know, of the yes. occupation. Yes. Then, meditation, order. what is it? There is no movement as I know it, as we know it. Movement means time, all that. It is not that kind of movement. Well, some other kind of... I don't see how we can measure that by words. See that sense of limitless state. But I know how you were saying that nevertheless it's necessary to find some language. Huh? In Ojai, you were saying that it is still necessary to find, find a language, language even yes, though sir. it's unsayable. Yeah, yeah, we will, we will <laughs> find the language. We better stop, it's too late. Shall we continue next Sunday? Right, sir. The Immeasurable Podcast is a project of the Krishnamurti Center, funded by the Krishnamurti Foundation of America. For information on our online community, programs, and how to support this work, please visit kfa.org.